Well, as we've gathered here for Christmas, it's always interesting that uh, Christmas, we have this idea, uh, this dream, this desire that it, we're going to have this great Christmas, right? It's going to go according to plan. It's going to be just, just amazing, like, like you see in the movies or anything like that. And, and maybe some of you have come here this morning and you're a little disappointed, uh, that maybe things haven't gone exactly according to plan. Uh, we were driving up to, uh, to spend the day with my family yesterday, and, and, uh, and our, our weekend has not exactly gone according to plan. Uh, Wesley went to the doctors on Friday morning. He has a double ear infection and pink eye. And it seems like we were trying to get ready for Christmas, and, and nothing seemed to be going right. And it was really, really frustrating. And then as we're riding up to Millersburg yesterday, the wisdom of my wife looks over and says, you know, it didn't go according to plan for Mary and Joseph that first Christmas either, but it was perfect, but it was perfect. And so this morning as we gather here and as we leave here to celebrate Christmas, let's not put the pressure on ourselves to have this amazing, perfect holiday, but let's just remember that, that, that we get to be together as a family, and, and as a family, we can celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus came to be our Savior. For the last few Sundays, we've been looking at a few characters of the Christmas story, and now this time of year, there's, there's a lot of tall tales told about a fat guy in a red suit and maybe elves and, and reindeer. Uh, but this, you know, our culture has come up with a lot of stories for Christmas. But this morning, I just want to spend just a few moments and look at the real Christmas story that we find and uh, that God has given us in his word that we find in the Bible. It's his story and it's history. It happened over 2,000 years ago. It really, really happened. And before there was this story of a guy in a red suit that came to give gifts, God sent his son to earth. He gave us the greatest gift that we could ever receive in a Savior, Jesus, that first Christmas morning. Two weeks ago, we talked about Zechariah, the first character of Christmas, Zechariah was a prophet, and he was, he was uh, uh, worshiping and, and, and serving in the temple, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and, and do you remember what the angel said? He said, Zechariah, you are going to have a son, and you're to name him John, and John's going to have a special purpose, to bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In essence, John Told, I mean, in essence, Zachari the, the angel told Zechariah, you're going to have a son, you're going to name him John, and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. He's going to prepare the way for Jesus. And do you remember how John responded? I mean, how Zechariah responded? He said, I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel silenced him because he called his wife old. Right? Well, not exactly. In Luke 1, 20, it says, and now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah doubted. 
An angel appeared to him, and he told him all this great news, and Zechariah doubted. He doubted God's power. He doubted God's plan. He doubted God's purpose. He doubted that God would give him a son, that his son would have this special purpose to prepare the way for Jesus. And in essence, he doubted that God's plan of sending a Savior, just, it just can't happen. It's not going to happen. And so the first character that we looked at two weeks ago was Zechariah, and he doubted. Second character we looked at last Sunday was King Herod. Herod the Great was appointed by the Roman Senate to be the king of Judea during the time of Jesus' birth. And from Matthew 2, we see King Herod, he was a selfish ruler. He was scared to lose, to lose his power and to lose his position. And so when Magi from the east show up in Jerusalem one day to worship this newborn king of the Jews, he's not excited. He's distressed. He's worried. He's like, last time I checked, I was in charge. I was the king. And now there's this new kid on the block. Who is this guy? He told the Magi to go worship the king. And when they, find, when they found him, they were supposed to come back and report his location to Herod. Not so Herod could go worship him, but Herod wanted to go and wipe him out. He wanted to destroy him, destroy the threat to his throne. The Magi were warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, and soon Herod knew that he would have no report of Jesus' location. In Matthew 2, verse 6, it says, When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Herod saw the coming of Jesus as a threat. And he was willing to do whatever it took to save his power, to save his position, even to go to the extreme to kill all the boys two years old and younger in Bethlehem. Can you imagine that? See, Herod missed the point. Jesus had had come not to take his position, but to give him personal and eternal salvation. And Herod missed the point. Herod denied, he denied who Jesus was, and he denied that he was a sinner in need of a Savior. So Herod responded to the Christmas story with denial. Zechariah responded with doubt. And this Christmas Sunday, I just want to take just a few moments that we have left and focus on the last character of Christmas, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the wife of the prophet Zechariah, the one that he called old. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were probably in their 50s and 60s, and they did not have a child. And in society that day, that was a pretty big social stigma. That was the source of shame to, to anyone in that society. And some even said it was a sign of God's divine disfavor. And so we, we see this couple, they're serving God, and yet God had not blessed them with a child, and they were up in their years Elizabeth was also a relative, maybe an older cousin of Mary. 
the mother of Jesus. And when the angel Gabriel told Mary that she would miraculously be the mother of the Messiah, he also told her that Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a baby too. In Luke chapter 1, we pick up the story where the angel is talking to Mary. And Mary said to the angel in verse 34, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The child will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And isn't it interesting that as soon as Mary is told that she'd be the mother of Jesus, she immediately travels to see Elizabeth. I mean, what do you do when you're feeling overwhelmed or, or you just need some encouragement? You go to family, right? You turn to your family to, to provide that encouragement, to come alongside and, and support you. And, and Mary turns to family, Elizabeth specifically, in her time of need. She goes and, and spends time with Elizabeth. And as soon as Mary enters the house, and gr- she greets Elizabeth. And John, in Elizabeth's womb, hears and he leaps for joy. He jumps for joy because John realized that, hey, this is not just another mother with another baby. That he's in the presence, in the womb of Mary and Jesus. And Elizabeth is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and she declares blessings to Mary. She says, Mary, you're blessed above other women, of all other women because you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. And then she says, and Jesus, he's going to be a blessing to all men. And then Mary declares her belief. Did you catch that in, in Luke 1.43 when Elizabeth said, and why, and Elizabeth declares her belief in Luke 1.43, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? Elizabeth's statement is pregnant with belief there. Do you see what she's saying? She says, I believe that the Virgin Mary, that you're going to miraculously conceive and carry and bear a child. And I believe that this is not just an ordinary child. I believe that this child is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one that will deliver us all from the penalty of our sins. Death. Eternal separation from God. In that moment, 
as Mary, pregnant Mary, is standing there in front of Elizabeth, Elizabeth declares her belief in Jesus. She declares her belief in Jesus. And so over the last few weeks, we've looked at three characters of the real Christmas story, and they've all responded to the story in different ways. Zechariah doubted, doubted God's plan, doubted God's purpose, doubted God's power. King Herod denied and wanted to destroy Jesus. And Elizabeth declared. She declared her belief in Jesus. That the Messiah was coming, that Mary would miraculously carry and deliver the Christ child. You see, all of us here this morning have come from different houses, different places, but you know what? I think we're all the same. It doesn't matter our our past history or our present situation. All of us here this morning are exactly the same. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. We all need the message of Christmas. We're all sinners in a need of a Savior. C.S. Lewis said, the Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. And Tim Keller said, Christmas tells us that we could never get to heaven on our own. God has come to us. No matter our history, no matter our current situations, we're all the same. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And I believe that each and every one of us respond in one of those three ways to Jesus. We could be like Zachariah and we can doubt Is this really true? Would God really do this? Can God really do this? Or maybe we're like Herod. We just deny. Or maybe we're like Elizabeth. And we declare. We believe that that first Christmas, the miraculous happened. God came to earth in the form of a baby. See, we all respond in one of those ways to the Christmas story. And so in closing, I'd just like to to read a portion of the Christmas story to you this morning. In Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I'm just going to read a few verses. Matthew 1, starting at verse 18. And this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 
But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The first Christmas morning, the Son of God came to save us. You see, that first Christmas is is just the beginning of Jesus' journey to the cross. To go to the cross and to die for our sins, to pay the price for our sins. Years later, after Jesus dies and rose again, on uh, John, one of Jesus' disciples, reflected on his coming, on his dying, on his resurrection, on all that, that Jesus did, that perfect life that he lived, and, and, and the sacrificial death that he died on the cross, and him raising again from the dead. And he wrote this in 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, many of us are going to leave here this morning and we're going to go spend time with family and we're going to open gifts or maybe assemble gifts that we've gotten. And as we leave here this morning, it's my hope and prayer that each and every one of us in this room has received the most important gift that we could ever receive. And that's the gift of Jesus Christ, that we put our faith and trust in Christ, that we've realized that we're all sinners and that nothing we can do can ever earn our way to heaven. And that the only way that we can have a relationship with with Christ and live now and both eternally is through putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is the miracle of Christmas. That is the greatest gift ever given. And that's the most important gift that you could ever receive. And my hope and my prayer is that each and every one of us has received that gift this morning. And if you're here this morning and you've not done that, uh, can I encourage you to talk to someone that you came with? I'll be up here after the service. I'd love to talk to you. But, but that is the Christmas miracle. You know what? In my house and probably just like in your house, you can remember Christmas gifts from the past, and they, they're no longer played with. They're forgotten. They're broken. They, they don't impact our lives anymore. But the gift of Jesus Christ is the gift that keeps on giving. It's a gift that impacts our life both now and eternally. It's, it's the one gift that makes an amazing difference in our life. And it's my prayer that each and every one of us has experienced that gift this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and celebrate this Christmas. We thank you for the greatest gift ever given, your son, Jesus Christ, that first Christmas morning. And Lord, we know that, that, uh, that your birth was just the beginning of your journey to the cross, that, that you came because we chose to rebel against you and sin against you and, do, and go our own way. We chose to sin. And yet, Lord, you loved us enough. You sent Jesus to be our Savior. And he lived a perfect life. And he went to the cross and hung on the cross and paid the price for our sins. And three days later, he rose again, conquering death. And, and Lord, we're thankful for that. What an amazing, amazing gift that you've given us. That's the true meaning of Christmas. So, Lord, it's my hope and my prayer that each and every one of us here this morning would would realize that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. 
On that first Christmas morning, our Savior came and put our faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, thank you for our family that can assemble here and and worship you and sing praises to your name. And, And Lord, thank you for that great gift that first Christmas morning. Lord, help us all to be like Elizabeth, that we've declared our belief in you. Help us not to be like Herod who denied. Help us not to be like Zechariah who doubted. But, but Lord, help us to leave here and boldly declare that we believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, our Savior, and he's saved us from our sins. And he's the Savior that this world needs so desperately. Thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you so much for being here on behalf of all the staff from Mount Calvary Church. We just wanted to wish you a very Merry Christmas and just uh, have a great time celebrating the birth of our Savior with with friends and family today. Uh, Just a reminder, there is no other services today. And next week on New Year's Day, we will just have the morning worship service. But but enjoy this, this day and this week celebrating with your family. And as we go and leave from here, let's remember... For those of us who have declared to put our faith in Jesus Christ, let's boldly declare that faith to those that we come in contact with. Christmas is a great time of year to do that. And so as we leave here today, let's be bold and declare our belief in Jesus, our Savior. Have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next year.